0: Into Triple Zero's. I'm your host, Josh Ball Calter. Follow me on Twitter at Josh G. Hit up the Facebook page, Sports clockersports, website, clockersports.com, and the email address is clockersports at gmail.com. We're on a little bit of a football kick right now. Um, we typically cover NBA and NFL, but have to get some more football in because the football season is right around the corner, and I've been doing a lot of playoff NBA talk. So, that being said, uh, I'm happy to bring on a fellow Last Word on Pro Football writer, an editor for the site as well, and... probably probably the most knowledgeable guy I know on the New England Patriots and some Tom Brady action, which is what we're going to be discussing today. And uh, with that being said, I'd like to bring on Dave Latham, uh, like I said, editor and uh, contributor to Last Word on Pro Football. Dave, thanks for joining the show, man. Appreciate it.
1: Hey, Josh. Thanks for having me.
0: So the first thing I want to get into, and you can follow Dave on Twitter at Dave Latham Pat's Thoughts, DL Pat's Thoughts, excuse me, DL Pat's Thoughts on Twitter. Um, First thing I want to get into is, what are your expectations for the for your Patriots now that, you know, it's a new era? 20 years with Tom Brady under center, and now it's going to be somebody else. We don't know who it is, and we'll get to that in a moment. But what are your expectations for the team this year?
1: Yeah, so it's definitely going to be weird losing Tom Brady's team, someone else under center. So really, no matter who ends up winning that battle, it's going to be a downgrade. I'm not going to say 2019 Tom Brady was the same dude he was in 2016 or 2017 when he won MVP, but he was still a really good quarterback. Um, but I do think this team will remain somewhat competitive. Like they're not going to bottom out like the Colts did when they lost Manning that one year. But um, I definitely think the expectations need to be tempered a little bit. No more Super Bowl or BOSS for a while. I don't think.
0: Do you see them being a playoff contender, or do you think like is like is Super Bowl possible for them, or do you think they're probably a, a playoff team at best?
1: I'm saying I'm thinking playoff team at best because you know last year they went twelve and four, but. They faced a laughably easy schedule. And I know the joke is always the AFC is a crapshoot. Anyone could win it. But, like, last year especially, I think they set a record for, like, easiest schedule ever faced for the through the first eight games. Mm-hmm. So just that's going to get harder. So even if Brady was still here and everything was the same, you're going to lose a, a few more games because of that. And, you know... The defense was so amazing last year. You can't really do that year for year, historically speaking. It just doesn't happen. So there's another few. I think if everything breaks right, they can probably they might be able to win the East if the Bills take a step back. But it's going to be tough, and you know, like and that's probably their ceiling. You nailed it. That easy schedule in the beginning kind of uh,
0: set the, the the tone for the disappointment. In the second now, I want to say even disappointment. Like you said, they went twelve and four, but it definitely was a tough road to hoe for them the last eight games or so. Um, are you are you surprised they didn't do more to upgrade the weaponry around again, whoever ends up playing quarterback?
1: Oh yeah, one hundred percent. So I was a naive optimist back in like March. I thought you know Brady's gonna sign back, life will be good. Rounded up you know one more, one or two more times, but he left. So when he left, I got that they weren't gonna like pursue like the really big name guys because you're going into a little mini rebuild here. But I'm surprised that they did nothing outside of draft two tight ends in the third, which tight ends historically need a year or two before they're ready to really contribute on a regular basis and this offseason especially. So I I am surprised that they're basically just saying, okay, this quarterback's gonna be worse. This these weapons weren't good enough for Tom Brady to work with. Have fun, whoever it is. So (laughs) And I want to ask
0: you about that. So you got two tight ends in this draft, uh Devin Asiasi and Dalton Keene. Are we seeing any type of Gronk Aaron Hernandez thing going on with these two guys? Or are they just kind of gonna be uh basically dogged by those comparisons for the rest of their career.
1: I mean, it's unfair to put anything like that on those two guys. it, it skill set wise, they're a little bit similar. Asiasi's Ossie more of the typical tight end, like, you know, inline blocker, great blocker, great pass catcher. I had him as the second best tight end in the class, which was something of a hot take at the time, but he was the second guy off the board, so go me. <laughs> um Keen's more of a jack of all trades, master of none, I think. Um Belichick loves to use fullbacks, and James Devlin's retired. I could see Keen doing a lot of that, a lot of like scheme stuff. Because if you look at his college tape, if you can get him into open space, he's lethal. It's just getting him there that's the problem. So I could see them. Ossie is probably going to be the more important guy this year, but I think Keen's going to have more of the highlight plays. But. I think a poor man's Gronk Hernandez is a fair comparison, but you're not going to get anything like what they were because, honestly, Robert Gronkowski's once-in-a-lifetime.
0: No, I totally agree with that. What are your thoughts on uh, Julian Edelman sticking around? Like, I would, I would, when they started, you know, when Brady left and you kind of could see that they weren't going to be doing too much adding,
1: I thought he might be a guy that they tried to move out. Are you surprised he's still on the team? Uh, pleasantly so, yeah. I mean, Edelman is you know, or he's one of those guys. If he's on your team you love him. If he's not, you absolutely despise the dude. <laughs> um and he is on my team, so I'm a fan of the dude. But um I, I did think there was gonna be a while where they're just kinda not bottom him out because Bill Belichick would sooner root for army than uh the tank, but <laughs> I did think that they were gonna sort of look at the young direction and Tampa, you know, was basically looking to just surround Brady with anything that made him happy, so I will a part of me is expecting like maybe Edelman for a third, and then you just build around the new kids, but that didn't happen, and it's, I think it's a good thing in the short term for the Patriots because there really is nothing behind Edelman in terms of proven commodities. If he can stay healthy, he's going to be arguably the most important non quarterback on the team.
0: And that's my next question. The young guys, are we expecting big steps up for Nikhil Harry and uh, Jacoby Myers this season? Because I know preseason last year was a lot of hype around him, but that kind of temper that people realize, you know, you can't put that kind of expectations on rookie receivers, almost like uh, rookie tight ends. They need a little bit of time to get themselves uh, acclimated to the speed of the game. Do you think that we see a leap from those guys, Harry and Myers?
1: Um, my hopes higher for Myers than Harry. If we're so when every, when it, when uh, the Patriots signed Cam, everyone's instant reaction was, "This is great for Harry because he's a jump ball specialist, like really big, great in the open field. It's just he can't separate to save his life." And <laughs> Cam had a bunch of those guys in Carolina. Mm-hmm. But if you look at his underlying stuff, uh, this is Cam I'm referring to all of his most efficient seasons came when those guys weren't the primary focus of the offense. Like his 2015 MVP season came in the year that Kelvin Benjamin missed the whole season. he, from an efficiency standpoint, he was best from 2011 to 2013. Those were the Steve Smith years Mm in 2018. He had a bit of a resurgence. That was when uh, the offense started focusing more around McCaffrey. They got DJ Moore, started incorporating that. So I'm not that sold on Harry having a good, uh, good year making a big leap and he's already not practicing we're not sure if it's an injury or what or personal issue but he hasn't been practicing the last few days so that's not going to help anything Myers I I liked him well coming out of school I liked uh, Myers uh, Harry more than Myers but Myers was probably better as a rookie I'd be interested to see what he does this year but if you're really looking for a completely out of the dark name Gunnar Olchevsky, I hope mm. I'm pronouncing that right. Um, He was a Division II cornerback in college that Belichick brought in last year. He returned punts for a little bit, then got hurt. But according to a bunch of reports, he's making a really good impression at wide receiver. It, they're saying he's the second best guy there, aside from Julian Edelman. Now, that might say more about everyone else than him, but it, it would be a really classic Bill Belichick thing to like somehow find this random division two cornerback, say, Hey, you're a wide receiver now and get something out of that. No. Yeah. And I think that if we're, if we're talking about the pages, it's probably what we should expect
0: other than uh, Harry and Myers to make any real significant leaps. You brought up cam and his uh, efficiency with uh, Steve Smith. So that's a natural transition towards the quarterback position, obviously <laughs> with the news coming out. Well, I don't want to say <laughs> the news, but so there have been reports of Jared Stidham struggling somewhat in practice. I haven't heard much about Brian Hoyer. Cam Newton is Cam Newton. well, He's a version of Cam Newton. What are your expectations for the quarterback position uh, this season? Who do you think is going to be under center?
1: So I think it's Cam's job to lose. Um, You mentioned uh, Stidham's been struggling, and that's kind of what you expect out of a fourth-round pick who he had a good preseason, but that's such a small sample, you really don't know what to account from that. But uh, recently, this is one or two days old, Stidham suffered a leg injury, and he was actually in the emergency room, I want to say Thursday, getting it checked out. Now there was a report. I want to think. I want to say it was our with CLNS media, but don't quote me on that. I think he was the first on it. Mm-hmm. Who said that it's going to be a few weeks before he's back up at full strength. He's going to try to practice through it, doing anything at 11, 11 on elevens on Friday's practice, and he was just like throwing on the sideline during seven on sevens. Mm-hmm. So I think any chance he had of winning the job is gone. It's Cam versus Hoyer, and if Cam can't win <laughs> that one, he's He's gone, but <laughs> in all honesty, though, um, reports have said Hoyer's been doing pretty well. Um, I mean, you adjust the bar because it's Brian Hoyer you're talking about, right. but um, they're saying that he's probably the best one early on in camp, which makes sense. He's been around since like the Nixon administration, so he, so he's pretty familiar with the system. Cam's reportedly improving over the last few days, and I think that'll keep going as he gets more comfortable with what they're doing in New England, getting used to the receivers. So if Cam's not under center in week one, I'd be I'd be astonished. Brian Hoyer is probably my favorite
0: journeyman quarterback. He's just such a streaky guy. He can look amazing for about four or five, maybe even six games, but then the wheels just fall off and he you're reminded why he's been bouncing around the league. Um right.
1: so one of my one of my favorite Brian Hoyer stats out there is back when he was on the Browns from twenty thirteen to twenty 14, I think uh, he went 11 and five in his 16 starts when Brian Hoyer didn't start. The Browns went one and 15 under that time. It's just like <laughs> it was Brian Hoyer, the missing piece. Bra- greatest quarterback in Browns history, Brian
0: Hoyer. <laughs> so you talked about, uh, let's talk about some cam and, and his place in this. T- let's assume he becomes the starter. You've seen a lot of pictures of him and Julian Edelman working out together, even before uh, organized team activities began. Is that a good sign? I think that, like you know, you talked about how he was more efficient with uh, Steve Smith. Now Edelman's not Steve Smith in terms of uh, stretching the field or anything like that, but his ability to get open and to find the soft spot in the defense. How well do you see that playing out for Cam in, in New England this year?
1: So Edelman is—he's a good receiver because this is going to come off sounding like a little bit of Edelman slander. He's a very good receiver. The Patriots do not win three Super Bowls this decade without him. Mm-hmm. But um, to a certain extent, he was a product of Tom Brady. Like, they had an inseparable mind meld that, like, only is rivaled by him and Welker back in the day. And there was a lot of just, like, went in trouble, look for Edelman. He's somewhere. He's probably open by a little bit, but he does most of his work underneath. It's going to take time for Cam and Edelman to get that uh, development. So I do expect a few growing pains. Honestly, I could see it going a lot like it did in 2013 uh, for the Patriots. That's the year that Welker left, Hernandez got his, you know, legal issues, let's just call it that, <laughs> Brandon Lloyd left, Gronkowski was hurt to start the year, and the Patriots were rolling out Cambrell Tompkins and Aaron Dobson, and Julian Edelman, so uh, it took a while for Edelman to, like, be really efficient, but it's basically Brady to Edelman, Brady to Edelman, Brady to Edelman, every single pass for a while. I could see that happening, where early in the season it's not that efficient, but they figure it out as they go along, so that's why I'm... I'm probably expecting an ugly offense to start the year, but it'll steadily improve as Cam gets more used to things.
0: Real quick before we switch sides of the ball, is there any worry long term about Sony Michel's health?
1: Um yes. <laughs> I don't I, I'd be surprised if he isn't started on the PUP. Um he I didn't like the pick when it happened, you know, he had a pretty good twenty eighteen behind that great offensive line, but you know, he had a knee injury in high school coming up. I remember the first thing I read about Sony after they drafted him was he had like an like arthroscopic knee surgery or something like something where it was like chronically his knee is messed up. Um, last year he st- he had an off season surgery. This year he had an off season surgery. So I don't think uh, Sony's going to be around too long. Like he, he's going to be on the team this year in some capacity, but I think. It's going to be Damian Harris and Rex Burkhead taking the early work, and James White, you know, doing his normal thing on third downs until Sony. Can you hear me? Because an airplane just. Flew yeah, no, here. I got you. Yeah, you're clear. Okay, okay. Because <laughs> normally there isn't airplanes around here, but <laughs> uh, anyway. So uh, anyway, so yeah, I think uh, Damian Harris is going to be the primary guy while Sony's hurt, and with this offensive line, I think Harris is going to just gonna take the job and roll with it. Yeah, he has a Even neck for the end zone.
0: He does have a nice nose for the end zone and Burkhead himself can't stay healthy. So something about those UGA running backs, man, Todd Gurley. Um I don't know about <laughs> Chubb's injury history, but I know that those those knees and, and uh UGA running backs just don't seem to be compatible. Uh switching sides of the ball, the Patriots had a no, a, a little bit of an exodus in the linebacking core this off season. Are you expecting there to be a, a significant dip in production from that
1: side? Absolutely. So um Earlier we mentioned the Patriots. Obviously they had an amazing defense last year. Most of that was driven by the coverage unit. The secondary was just freaking amazing, but the front seven still had to do, do their stuff. So in addition to it's naturally going to get worse because you're playing real teams this year, <laughs> you lost Hightower, you lost Van Noy, you lost Collins, and even like looking more on the defensive line, you lost Shelton, uh, Danny Shelton, nose tackle. And you didn't really replace him. Alandon Roberts is gone, too. So right now it's looking like Jawan Bentley is going to be the primary starter, like the main guy, which is asking a lot out of him. He's played well in limited time, but you've never seen him with a full role. The thing I'd be looking out for is Adrian Phillips, who uh, safety for the Chargers, the mm-hmm. Patriots signed this offseason. I could see them using him in sort of like a pseudo linebacker role like they used to, like they used to do with Patrick Chung um probably won't be the best against the run but it's a passing league you play to stop that so i could see him getting a lot of snaps there
0: that makes a lot of sense what are your thoughts about stefan guerra is he the best corner in the game still to this day cuz I, I mean that dude just locks stuff down except for Devontae parker <laughs> like he he pretty much except dominates except for Devontae
1: parker where do you rate? you think he's one of do you think he's the top guy still in the league oh yeah i definitely do i mean obviously the parker game was rough but you know, you got to let him every now and again. You can't get him. A, you can't get him every single time. Yeah. Uh, no, but there's always somebody that has a your his, number. <laughs> yeah. And, and the craziest thing, too, that's the first time Parker's done anything against Gilmore. When they met in week two, he, uh, Parker didn't have a single catch. 2018, Parker did like nothing on Gilmore. It was just, you know, one of those freak games at the at the wrong time. But I do believe Gilmore's the best cornerback in the league. When you look at what the Patriots ask him to do. um Essentially, Bill Belichick's defense, when it's really going, it goes because they have multiple cornerbacks that can play man coverage at a high level. So um Gilmore's obviously amazing at that. And he's usually just left on an island on his own. Back in the Malcolm Butler, Logan Ryan days, they'd kind of switch it up. Like they'd play a lot of man, but Butler would usually get the shiftier guy. Ryan would get the bigger guy and they'd have safeties on whichever one had the tougher receiver. With Gilmore, it's just him on an island every single time. With like a few exceptions, like usually when they play the Chiefs, they have Jonathan Jones, their slot cornerback, take Tyreek Hill, because Hill's just blazing fast and Jones is the only one that can keep up with him. Mm -hmm. But by and large, it's usually Gilmore on his own against the best receiver they have. And you just shift the rest of the coverage to everybody else because, you know, whoever Gilmore's covering isn't going to do anything that day.
0: How much longer do we see Bill Belichick coaching the Patriots?
1: I mean... I don't see why he'd want to leave now. You know, he's old, but this is what he loves to do. And I think he does. This is a little narrative street, but I do think that he would like to prove that, like, he's not just a product of Tom Brady. Like, they they respect each other. I'm not buying into the whole Bill hates Brady, Brady hates Bill thing. Mm. But I do think that Belichick wants to prove, like, look, I can win without the greatest quarterback ever. And to an extent, I think Brady wants to go down to Tampa and say, look, I can win without the greatest coach ever. So. So let's switch gears
0: now and talk about Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay as it's been dubbed this off season. Um what are your expectations for Brady in a new his first new system in the NFL? I think he said it's his first time with the offensive coach in 20 or uh what do you say like 30 years of playing football or something like that.
1: Yeah, I'm definitely in his time in uh, the NFL. I don't really know too much about his Michigan coaches, but um I think he's going to be really good. So like I said earlier, If you're looking for 2007 or like 2016 Tom Brady, that guy, I don't think he's quite there anymore, but I still think he's a top 10 quarterback in this league. Last year, if you really look at what he was working with, you could make a case it was the worst supporting cast in football. They had the lowest uh, combined PFF grade. I think they were dead last in average separation per target. Just a whole bunch of things you don't want to be in last in. They were in last in, and now... He gets to go to tampa bay where he gets chris godwin's mike Evans, and mike evans and whatever is left of rob gronkowski which <laughs> even if it's the 2018 version is better than what he had last year so where do you rank this group of weapons in
0: his all-time standing because i know he's had some some stellar teammates but these guys are i think as a unit they might be up there with a the top group
1: oh yeah um i don't think 2007 patriots i don't think there's ever been a group assembled as dangerous as that when you look at like Prime Tom Brady, prime Randy Moss, prime Wes Welker, and all of them pissed off over the Spygate thing. Like, they were out to just destroy everyone that year. I've never seen, like, so much of a show no mercy, like, keep driving up the score offense in my life. They're not that, but I think this has a solid case as the second best supporting cast Brady's ever had.
0: I, w- I would say – so I would agree with you on that because whenever you have Moss, that probably gives you another step up just because off, off of that alone.
1: Yeah. Like, um, I love Mike Evans. He's yeah. not Randy Moss. No, no,
0: no, no, no. <laughs> so would I, would it be fair to say then that this might not be their top group, but this is probably their deepest group because you got two tight ends, three tight ends really when you consider Braid as well. Um, The backfield is three deep. So, I mean, that's kind of familiar with Patriots days. But you're going uh two to three guys deep on the, out, on the receivers and then – two to three guys deep at the tight end position.
1: Is it deeper than those groups, maybe? You can make an argument because 07, the tight ends were Kyle Brady and Ben Watson, and, you know, they're fine. Ben Watson had a a decent production that year. He was okay. Yeah, you know, he's like, he's a solid, he's a solid starter, but like nothing special. OJ Howard, like, has the athleticism to be more than that. Robert Gronkowski, we've obviously seen what he was. I don't think that's there anymore, but if he is, God help the league. Um, I agree with that. So... Let's see. My question, my biggest concern with Tampa is like from an offensive standpoint. Anyway, what happens if Mike Evans or Chris Godwin goes down? Because all of a sudden you're starting Scotty Miller, which (sighs) you probably don't want to be doing. No, yeah, I agree with that. So my concern is and I I pose this question to you
0: after coming from such a precision offense and really uh, working the short to intermediate game. They're going he's going now to a vertical offense where they're trying to challenge you down the field and they're trying to mediate to long range stuff. Do you see Brady struggling with that at all? Is there is there some pepper off of that deep ball?
1: Um, I don't think there's going to be too much of an adjustment there because when you look at Brady, obviously you think of like, you know, he's normally had like a Wes Welker, Julian Edelman, guys who thrive at getting open quickly but don't ask him to go more than 15 yards downfield because they just can't do it. But if you look at the times when he has had a deep threat, he's been amazing. So 07, you had the Moss. Yeah, had Moss. Everyone knows about that season, but that was a long time ago. You probably shouldn't count on too much of that happening. But in 2017, he got Brandon Cook's first year from New Orleans and Julian Edelman towards ACL in the preseason. Overnight, the team turned into a deep passing league, uh, turned into a deep passing team and Brady won MVP that year. He led the league in air yards. Um, I think he had the highest PFF grade, like highest EPA for play. He was fantastic that season and he did it by chucking the ball deep. Uh, constantly to Brandon Cooks and Rob Gronkowski. So I think he definitely still has the ability to do that. Um, the arm strength, honestly, I haven't noticed that much of a depreciation between like 2017 and now. It's not quite what it was, but it's not like 2015 Peyton Manning where he could barely throw it five yards. What do you, who do you see becoming
0: Brady's favorite target? Let's, let's leave Gronk out of it because I think sentimentality would lead Brady to lean on Gronk in times of doubt. But of the guys that he's just playing with for the first time this season, uh, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, O.J. Howard, which of those three do you think gets the most love in the offense?
1: Um, See, my bet in the offseason would have been Chris Godwin just because he put – well, one, Evans and Godwin are both amazing, so we take that out of it. But Godwin plays the slot. He does more of the stuff that Brady historically has been comfortable with. But I've been reading a bunch of camp notes from Tampa Bay, and God, it looks like him and Mike Evans are, like, about to destroy the league together. Evan said some Evans said something to the point of like Tom Brady wants to make me a living legend. And I'm like, Oh God. And if you watch the, highlight, if, if you watch the highlights from uh, like training camp and granted, this is only the stuff on bucks, Twitter, who knows what's really going on. Mm-hmm. It's like always like highlight catches to Mike Evans. So, <sighs> I mean, it really could be either guy. And I, I, Brady's never had a problem with anyone as long as they a have talent and b nowhere where. Brady wants the ball to go Mm. so like don't just stay on script don't do anything he doesn't expect and he will throw you the ball so I think both guys are gonna be a huge part of the offense I don't see like anyone struggling to adjust to Tom Brady being there but I'd have to give the slight edge to Evans do you think the Bucks and I I probably already know this
0: answer but how much? I mean, I'll rephrase it then. How much of an impact do you think Brady will be in terms of just not turning the ball over at the rate we saw Jameis Winston do? Because I think without that, the Bucs are a playoff team, but they're in a very tough division. So do you think that that has that kind of an impact on them, just Brady maintaining control of the ball?
1: So that's definitely going to be a huge positive, not having a guy that throws 30 interceptions <laughs> in a year. And... um. The funniest thing is, if you look at Winston, he's, like, it's easy to make the jokes like, you know, 30 interceptions, the dude's terrible, but he's the best and the worst quarterback in the league at the same time. <laughs> he, makes some, he makes some genuinely phenomenal plays that other guys just simply cannot make. He's aggressive down the field, and he moves the chains really well. He just can't stop throwing it to the other teams, so he, I don't think, like, Brady is better than Jameis Winston by a lot. That's probably an extra like, two wins right there, but I don't think Winston was the act of liability he was portrayed as, but I do believe this is going to be a playoff team because, one, Brady is better. Um, ball control is going to be better. And I think the defense is ready to make a pretty big step. If you look at their secondary, they have Sean Murphy Bunting, uh, Jamel Dean, somebody else, I'm blanking on the name, but those three are both um, first- or second-year guys last year. And they all graded out really well on PFF. They got more playing time as the season increased. And I think that that secondary is really going to make another leap this year. Granted, playing in the uh, the NFC South is not fun at all, having to go up against Drew Brees and Matt Ryan for a collective four times. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think at the very least they get the five seed as the second as the best wild card. I do believe that they could beat out the Saints for the division, but I'd probably bet on the Saints winning it right now.
0: Yeah, I, I feel like the Saints—the the Falcons, to me, are a team that just alternates being, like, okay and then bad. The Saints are a team, to me, that alternates being uh, really good and then good. Like, so they're beatable, they're just, you know, but they're still going to be competitive. Um hmm The Winston thing is funny to me because I just I can't imagine how you could go through this long in your career and not have corrective vision like you don't have contacts or anything (laughs) like holy crap dude we saw you squinting in college and you were a pro and made it through your whole contract and now you go and get surgery like what
1: Uh, that that just always he's gonna get a chance to. He will get a chance to start again and if the corrective vision thing actually works the guy's going to be a Hall of Famer because if he was that bad throwing blind Yeah, dude. And with the Saints too. So Sean Payton's going to have a uh I know he's got some
0: plans for that. You mentioned the defense and I I like that uh, the front seven on Tampa Bay with Sha- Shaq Barrett and uh Jason Pierre-Paul and then that back end like you said they're young guys but they're growing in their into their their roles. How far off do you see this year's Tampa Bay defense being from let's say, we'll even compare them to this year's Patriots. Do you think that there'll be some kind of comparison there, or do you think the 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 Patriots still have the edge?
1: This year's Patriots, um, it's going to be close, honestly, because like we mentioned, the Patriots' defense lost just about everyone that doesn't play cornerback, and there's going to be some natural regression playing teams that actually know how to throw the football, but I think New England's is still going to be a little bit better, but it's going to be a lot closer than what most people think it will be.
0: Which team do you think finishes better at the end of the year? Oh, Tampa. That was quick.
1: <laughs> that was yeah. a quick one. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I don't have the Patriots tanking out, but I do think, like, you know, with the defense coming back to earth and the offense, like, going to take some time to find itself because Cam Newton's a great quarterback, but he can't do it all on his own. Very few guys can. So I have the Patriots going, like, 8-8, eight and 7-9. Eight, and nine. I have the Bucks going 11-5. Wow. Wow,
0: I'm surprised. I mean, I, I, I get the regression, but that division still seems like it's theirs at least for another year. I know Buffalo is on the come up, but I don't know if they have the the ability to finish like that. I think they are, uh, um, I don't want to say a front-running team, but I definitely think that they benefit as well from being, you know, kind of that young unknown. But I, I, I can't argue. Listen, that's why you're here. You're here to talk about it. So mm-hmm. um, who do you hey. think is, the, is it? Is it the Bills that are the biggest threat, or do you think maybe the Jets have now have a chance to do it? I know that they've got a lot of turmoil going on.
1: You know, it's it it's definitely going to be the Bills if it's anybody. Like, if you look at the roster, except for the quarterback position, I'd I'd put that up against any other in the league. You got Diggs, John Brown, and Beasley. Like, that's a fantastic wide receiver trio. The offensive line, nothing special, but you know, it gets that's they got the job done. Yeah, secondary, you got Trey White. What more do you need? in a great safety duo. And you know, front seven is pretty good. I think they didn't lead the league in sacks last year, but I think they were top five same in like pressure rate stuff. So they have a really good all-around defense. It's just I am not sold on Josh Allen in the slightest. I don't think he's particularly good at football. Oh. Um if he can make another if he can make a big step up then you know it's their division to win. I think they're Super Bowl contenders, but as it is now I think it's going to be sort of like a if they tank out it'll be because Josh Allen pulled a 2018 Blake Bortles or a 2019 Mitchell Trubisky.
0: Ouch, ouch. Wow, that's a shot fired right there. I felt that when Mitchell Trubisky. <laughs> oh, man. Um, talk about a prediction coming true, by the way. I know we're getting, that's not, you know, what we're here for, but the the 2018 uh Bears comparison to the what 16 Jags? that was like one of the most spot-on predictions that everybody had, and I mean, you could see mm. it a mile away. <laughs> so, uh, last question I have for you.
1: Does Tom Brady get another ring? Um, it's going to be harder being in the division he's in, but I think so. I think he's got like two, three years left. And the way that the Tampa's built, it's a young secondary. Uh, the weapons are there for a while and they've added just enough to keep Brady comfortable with like what he's already aware with. And I'm going to say, yes, he does. All right. There you go, folks. You got it. Dave Latham. Thank you very much for joining me.
0: You can follow him on Twitter at DL thoughts. Again, thanks so much for being on the show, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Josh. So that's going to do it for this episode of Triple Zeros. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at JoshyBuck. Hit up the Facebook page, Clockersports, website, clockersports.com. Email address, clockersports at gmail.com. Always, as usual, read the stuff. Last word of Pro Football, pippin'easy.com. Until the very next time, uh, I'm gone. I'll see you later.